Well, good morning again. I'm Camper Mundy, associate pastor, and it truly is my joy to welcome you this Resurrection Day. Uh, and again, a special welcome uh, to those of you who are visitors, uh, local, out of town. Uh, we're glad that you're here, that you've joined us this morning. To everyone, happy Easter. If the crucifixion is a period, a full stop, a definitive point in history, it is finished, in the words of Jesus. If the crucifixion is a period, then the resurrection is an exclamation point. It is certain, it is true, it is real. And for that, we celebrate today. For that, we gather today to, to praise and worship the God who died that we might live. The God who rose from the grave declaring sin and death are conquered. The God who gives us new life through faith in Him. Today, we celebrate the God of resurrection. Amen? Well, our passage this morning is John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's on page 907. Uh, if there's not a Bible in the chair in front of you, hopefully you can share with your neighbor if you don't have one with you. And as you're turning to John chapter 20, just as, as way of context, I want to take us back where we were briefly last week, uh, John chapter 12, the triumphal entry, Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Uh, the people praising, hallelujah, waving the palm branches, declaring their king as he rides in. And, and we heard the, the prophecy of Zechariah, fear not, behold, your king has come. And then we move through John and Maundy Thursday and Easter Friday, John chapter 19, the crucifixion death, and burial of Jesus. And then that great triumphant chapter, chapter 20, the resurrection of Jesus. The tomb is empty, and then Jesus appears. The resurrected Lord appears first to Mary Magdalene, then to his disciples, minus one, and finally to Thomas. And that's where we will focus our attention this morning is that interaction between Jesus and Thomas. Let me pray for us before we hear God's word. We look to you this morning, our God of resurrection. And we thank you for the new life that is found in Christ, that sin and death are conquered. We ask this morning that by the power of your Spirit, you would convince us, whether for the first time or more and more, that we would believe, that we would see you, that we would behold, that we would believe. Would you, by the power of your Spirit, open us to your Word and your Word to us? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I invite you, hear the word of God from John chapter 20, beginning in verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, 
Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God given to us for our good and His glory. And so to it we turn. Well, commentators agree that this is the conclusion of John's gospel. Uh, yes, there is a, a chapter 21, but it's, it's really an epilogue of sorts, a tying up of, of loose ends. And that, of course, I would say would be more clear, just seeing how John pulls us into a purpose statement. He brings it all together and says, you see, all of this is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Christ, that by believing, you may have life in His name. Now, honestly, I, I, for years, I looked at the, the story of Thomas as really just tying up a loose end. I mean, Jesus is raised, empty tomb, He appears to Mary Magdalene, He appears to the disciples. Oh, but Thomas wasn't there, so... John's going to round it out and just say, you know, let me tell you that he appeared to Thomas too. But there's more to it than that. Because you see, John, just as, as each of the gospel writers, is very purposeful in what he writes. Uh, he's trying to help us hear the gospel of Jesus. And so he's careful the way that he puts everything together. And so he leads up to this purpose statement with this encounter between Jesus and Thomas. Now, of all that... Jesus said and did before the disciples, what, uh, what John has picked out is actually touches on just about 21 or 22 days. Commentators are not quite sure, is it 21 or 22 days in the life and earthly ministry of Jesus? Now, I'm not talking about 21 consecutive days, three consecutive weeks, but, but, but about 21 days in the life of Jesus from the, from the start uh, until here, uh, post-resurrection. And of those three weeks, out of three years, clearly John is choosing for a purpose. Why then, right before his purpose statement, would he bring us to doubting Thomas? Why would he do that? Well, it's been fascinating to me to be in this passage for the last week. And let's see if we can take a better look and maybe answer that question why? Well, our passage covers two of those days. Out of the, the 21 or 22 days, our passage covers two. The first Easter Sunday, the evening of the day that Jesus rose from the dead, that's clear from verse 19. 
And then the following Sunday, as it says in verse 26, eight days later. Now, in that day and time, they actually included the starting day as they were counting. So, easy illustration for us. The first day of April was last Sunday, April 1st. Eight days later, including that day, would bring us to today, Sunday, April 8th, Easter Sunday. So, two days. Day one, focused on Thomas. Day two, focused on Jesus. Let me make a few observations about each and then bring it home. Day one, Thomas. Let's read again, but this time begin in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the day of Jesus' resurrection, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And then Jesus breathes on his disciples the Holy Spirit, empowering them, giving them authority. And then verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. He's, he's emphatic. I will never believe. Doubting Thomas, yes, but also defiant, demanding Thomas. Now, we don't know why Thomas wasn't with the other disciples earlier. We don't know, but he's with them now. And it's the resurrection day, the evening, later that evening, the resurrection day, and Jesus has just shown himself to the rest of the twelve. Well, the other disciples are ecstatic. They have just watched Friday, Jesus crucified, died, and buried behind locked doors. And now Jesus shows himself to them. They are ecstatic. Now, we're reading, I'm reading the Pew Bible, the, the English Standard Version. There's a period. We have seen the Lord. I'm, it should be an exclamation point, okay? If you're reading from the NIV or some other translation, there's an exclamation point. Amen. There should be. We have seen the Lord. They are ecstatic. Okay, now I know what ecstatic looks like. I've seen the footage of the crowds when the Beatles first made their trek to the United States. I've seen some of you in that video footage. <laughs> or the footage when Elvis performed. Or our youth group girls at the sight of Justin Bieber. That's ecstatic. But what we're talking about here has to go beyond that. Because again, the disciples have put all their trust, all their hope on their, their friend, their teacher, their Lord, and they have seen him crucified. They watched him die, and he is buried, and they are scared to death behind locked doors. And then he shows himself. He's alive. 
He's alive again. It's really Him. He's alive and well. He's powerful. He's beautiful. This is ecstatic on steroids. I mean, how could it be anything else? In verse 25, it says, The disciples told Him, We have seen the Lord. Now, the the grammar in the original language actually connotes a continuous action, which shouldn't be any surprise to us. Obviously, they didn't just state, Thomas, we have seen the Lord, and he said, no, I'll never believe. No, they're ecstatic. They kept telling him, is what the, the original language would connote. They kept telling him, Thomas, he is risen. We have seen him. He's alive. He showed us his hands and his side. And Thomas holds up a hand and says, no, I will not believe. Not unless I can put my finger in the nail marks. Not unless I can place my hand in his side. I do not know what you are doing or what you are talking about. This is preposterous. I will never believe. Defiance. A list of demands, of conditions to be met. If not X, Y, and Z, then no, never. End of story. Stop talking to me about it. Now, I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you're here because you're visiting family and friends and they drug you to church and you are just, you cannot wait until the sermon and the service are over. Hang on just a little while longer. But, but seriously, you're, you're reluctant to be here. Maybe you're skeptical. You too. This is preposterous. My family, my friends, they're Christians, they they talk about Jesus, this risen Lord. But, I mean, come on. Can we not be logical? Or maybe you're you're at a slightly different place. You're here this morning, you're, you're curious. The claims of Jesus, they're intriguing. You're seeking a bit, but still, I don't know. But maybe if X, Y, Z, then maybe, but, but not until then. Okay, well, the rest of you been following Jesus for weeks, months, maybe many years. And there have been moments of, of great joy, but all of a sudden you've been sideswiped, blindsided. Out of nowhere you received that phone call. Come into my office. You've lost your job. The bank account is going empty. How am I going to pay my bills? Or you got the phone call from a relative, a friend. Your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your child. I'm dying of cancer. Maybe you have been betrayed by your best friend. And you say, God, I have had enough. I have followed you all these years. I have been faithful to follow you. Where are you? I cannot do this anymore. If X, Y, or Z, if not, then never. We've all been there. And we are all there today at one degree or another. We all are just like Thomas. But that's just day one. Thomas doesn't have the last word. Because there's day two. Jesus. Let's read again, uh, picking back up in verse 26. Eight days later, 
His disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So a very similar scene to the week before. The disciples gathered behind locked doors. Uh, Jesus comes in to be with them. But this time, Thomas is with them when Jesus comes. And just like the week before, Jesus first speaks a word of, of greeting and peace and blessing, first speaking to the group, peace be with you. And then Jesus turns to Thomas. Thomas, behold my hands and sigh. You know, one of the most beautiful parts of this scene is that Jesus actually turns to Thomas. He initiates with Thomas. He, he steps toward the defiant, demanding disciple who refuses to believe. And Jesus knows that he's the defiant, demanding disciple who refuses to believe. He knows everything about Thomas, and he still loves him. Jesus knows his hurts, his anger, his bitterness, his doubts, his places of inadequacy, his struggles, his fears, his demands, his defiance. Jesus knows everything and still loves him. Okay, here, here's the picture. A shepherd going after a runaway sheep. Uh, I, I was thinking about this and, and remembering the, the six years that uh, Heather and I were in Vancouver, Canada. Very international city and uh, so we had an international mix in our church there. And I remember one of the guys that I got to know, one of our church members, Miles, uh, was from Australia. And Miles had herded sheep for a time. And he said, Camper, sheep are not what you think. Okay, you go to the store and you buy your nice little fuzzy, soft, white stuffed sheep and you give it to your kids. Or you, you, you count them when you can't go to sleep, jumping over your bed... He said, Camper, sheep are a pain in the... Sheep are smelly, they are thankless, they are often sluggish, often defiant, they run away. Sheep are a pain. Well, you know Psalm 23. Whether you go to church all the time or you rarely go... Maybe you've never been to church until today, but you've been to a funeral. You know Psalm 23. Great psalm of comfort and encouragement. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Well, some of you have heard me say this before. I love the way that Psalm 23 ends. How does it end? Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and love will follow me. And this verb follow can be translated pursue. Surely goodness and love will pursue me. 
Or actually, it can be taken even further. The Hebrew word goes even further. Hunt down. Surely, goodness and love will hunt me down. And what's the most beautiful expression of God's goodness and love? Jesus. Surely, Jesus will hunt me down. All the days of my life, so that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He will come after me, a relentless pursuit. Well, here, Jesus, the Good Shepherd, knows everything about Thomas, the defiant sheep. He knows everything that he has said, he knows everything that he has done. More importantly, he knows his defiant heart. And still, he comes after him. Relentless pursuit in love. Well, like Thomas, Jesus, the good shepherd, knows everything about us. He knows everything that you have done, that you have said, that you have thought. More importantly, he knows the defiant places of our hearts. And still, he comes after us. And he says, behold, behold my hands inside. Behold, I love you. Do you not see it? Look to the cross. I love you. I gave myself for you. And I am alive. Behold and believe. Well, Thomas responds by dropping his demands and falling to his knees. Thomas doesn't even put his finger in the nail holes or his hand in Jesus' side. As John records, he immediately cries out, My Lord and my God. He beholds and he believes. So what changes him? What is it that Thomas saw? Well, it's not so much what his eyes saw, but more so what his heart understood. It's not so much what, what his eyes see, but more so what his heart understands. And what does his heart understand? His heart understands at this moment the magnitude of God's sacrifice for him. His heart understands. His heart sees. His heart sees the most crucial, most profound, most beautiful act of love ever as he looks to Jesus. Well, here's just a glimpse of what Thomas saw. Now, please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 49, verse 16. Isaiah 49, it's, uh, we're going to be on page 610. If you're using the Pew Bible, regardless of the version of the Bible you have, it's in the middle of your Bible. And as you're turning to Isaiah 49, I want to note that verse 16, it's spoken by God in response to defiant disbelief. Expressed just a couple of verses earlier where the writer says, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Where are you? And the Lord God responds, No. No, I have not forgotten you. I will never forget you. I will never forsake you. Verse 16. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. 
I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Now, it was not unheard of in that day and time that that a servant might have the name of his master tattooed on the palm of his hands. It it was a a sign, a mark of, of commitment, of loyalty, that I live for you, I give my life for you. But never would a master have the name of his servant tattooed on his hands. I mean, that would mark that the master is committed to the servant. That the master will give it all, will lay it all down for the servant. But isn't that what we see here? Well, yes, but it actually goes deeper than that. Because the word here is not tattooed, but engraved. And it's a very specific Hebrew word that means Engraved with a hammer and chisel or spike. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Jesus, the crucified and risen Lord, says, Behold, my hands inside. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Behold. Sin is forgiven. Death is conquered. The way to God is open. Behold and believe. And Thomas does. Thomas saw the crucified and risen Lord. He saw his hands and his side and he believed. And he saw the very same way that we will see. Through the lens of God's Word. Now think about it this way. How many of you wear corrective lenses of some sort? If you're wearing contacts and you don't want people next to you to know it, you don't have to raise your hand. But the rest of you, you know, how how many wear corrective lenses? Contacts or glasses? I know those of you with glasses on right now can't hide. Pete? (laughs) Okay. A lot of you. I'm getting close. I've realized I'm going to have to wear them soon. But why? You know, Regardless of how, if, if you live long enough, you will have to wear corrective lenses at some point. But why? Why? Because we struggle to see clearly without them. Well, spiritually speaking, we all have bad eyesight. In fact, it is so bad, spiritually speaking, we are blind without corrective lenses. And so like Thomas, we see, we see Jesus through God's Word, through the lens of Scripture. We see Jesus as we step into the story. As preposterous as it may seem, we step into the story, whether for the first time, the first time or the umpteenth time, again and again and again. And not only do we see through the lens of Isaiah 49, which we just looked at, but we see on every page. For every story whispers his name. Every page of the written word points to Jesus, the living word. Okay, turn back to John 20 with me.
In John chapter 20, verses 29 to 31, John assures us, as Jesus himself affirms, John assures us that we have all we need to believe, the corrective lens of God's word. And by the power of his spirit, he gives us the ability to see. Again, verse 31, all of this, all of this is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The risen Jesus steps toward you. He steps toward you. The risen Jesus knows everything about you. Everything. And He still loves you. Not yet convinced? Believe? But really struggling to believe? Read. Enter in. Think about, wrestle with, pray, contemplate. Come humbly to God's Word. Come boldly. God, make yourself known. This is where I am. Make yourself known. But come. Just come. And He will make Himself known that you might behold. Jesus invites us into His Word, into the story. He invites us to behold His hands inside. Friends, the choice is yours now. He has given himself for you. He has stepped toward you. Will you step toward him? Will you see the risen Christ who has given himself for you, who lives that death may die? Behold. Behold his hands and side and believe. Let's pray.